CES in Las Vegas is becoming an important stop for automakers to introduce new products and technology. It's also the spot to interview top executives like Ford's president of mobility, Marcy Cleavorn, coming up on this special edition of AutoLine This Week. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. AutoLine This Week is coming to you from the Consumer Electronics Show and how appropriate that we're talking about the latest technology in autonomy, connectivity, sharing, and all that because my special guest today is Marcy Cleavorn. She's an executive vice president at the Ford Motor Company. She's also the president of Ford Mobility LLC. And Marcy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, John, thank you for having me. It's so exciting to be here, isn't it? The buzz of the crowd is amazing, and the booths are just so interesting. A lot to learn. A lot to learn here. In fact, I want to learn what Ford Mobility is all about. What is Ford Mobility? Well, great. I'm glad you asked. So it's a couple things. So Ford Mobility is an organization, and that's the organization I lead. It's got some components. Actually, it was Jim Hackett's great idea to put us all together. So I lead um, information technology. I was uh, used to be the CIO, and now there'll be a new CIO someday, but that's a part of the team. We have a chief data officer, so we have an analytics team that's part of the group. We have uh, Ford Smart Mobility LLC that Jim Hackett used to lead uh, prior to be him becoming the CEO, and that LLC is also part of the team. We have our Ford Pass product, which is an app, but also a lot more as far as infrastructure pieces. That's part of the team. And then finally, we have a group that moved over from product development, uh, connectivity led by Don Butler, who was one of the keynote speakers today. And what that group does is they handle the in-vehicle connectivity. So that's the modems and the EPIDs that are physically in the vehicle that help us connect the vehicle. So that team is also part of mobility now. So it's a great group and it all comes together to all the puzzle pieces we needed to really make the vision come alive. What is the vision? The vision is, so for those of you that may have seen Jim Hackett's uh, keynote today, the vision is really to partner with cities and to think, of, we're thinking about things differently. We're thinking about kind of putting the human at the center. So a lot of times technology, we talk about it and it's exciting, but to do technologies for technology's sake is interesting, but are you really making an impact on people's lives and are you really making a difference? And that's, I think, what Jim is having us think through. Instead of thinking about autonomy, for example, as a way to eliminate the human, figure out how it will interact with the human and improve people's lives. With our Chariot product or some of the other things we're thinking about, how do we make it a better experience for everybody, the rider, the community, the city? And so that's what the vision is. How do you measure whether you're what you're doing is working or not. What are the metrics that you're going to, or the Ford Motor Company is going to use to say, yeah, we're really progressing with this mobility effort? That's a great idea, a great question, excuse me, and I'm not sure we have the exact answers yet, but here's some things we're looking at. Um, number one, we have a responsibility to make a return for our shareholders, so that always, that's always part of the equation. Uh, number two, when we look at improving people's lives, we think about you know working with the city, they have their goals, so helping people achieve their goals is part of it. When I think about a business we started in August, non-emergency medical transport that uses our chariot product as well, our uh, microtransit product, it's really about getting people who are sick or elderly to medical appointments on time. So are we getting them there on time? And for some of those people, that ride to that medical appointment may be their only social interaction for the day. So is the driver appropriately making that person feel welcome and, and warm? And is that person really creating an atmosphere that's human-centered in, in the vehicle? So those are some of the elements we're looking at, and I think more to come. Okay, do you have P&L responsibility for this group? And, and again, how do you, because I've learned a long time ago, if 
if anything happens in this industry, it's got to be financially measured. And yes. I, I love what you're saying of putting people first and uh, putting that as the center of the business model. But at the end of the day, you got to make money for the shareholders too. No, you're absolutely right. And that's why I started with the, the important thing is to return. We have to have a return for our shareholders. And that's absolutely, absolutely one of the metrics. I do have P&L responsibility. We've put together a business plan and we've got physicals behind it and how we're going to get there. We're thinking about services that um, help the cities. And you heard a lot about that at the keynote today and all throughout the show, you'll hear more. You know, eliminating congestion, helping people move through the cities more freely, giving back the streets, those kinds of things. Things. But also, if you think about our great vehicle products, services to enhance the experience for personal ownership. So it's really both things that we're, we're looking at and, of course, looking at generating um, a healthy return. Yeah. One of the other things that was announced at CES on the part of the Ford Motor Company is this open mobility platform. Yes. And again, what does that mean, Marcy? Well, thanks for asking about that, too. It's one of the things I'm super excited about because our team's leading it. Um, we announced in October at the CEO strategic update with our investors that we were in a, uh, invested in a company called Autonomic. It's a startup in Silicon Valley. And we've partnered with them, we've been at it for uh, over a year now, to develop what we're calling the transportation mobility platform, or it's really a cloud-based platform. And what it will do is provide, and what it does now, we actually use it um, ourselves for our chariot microtransits, helping us manage them. It provides like the foundational elements so others can don't have to worry about that and they can build applications and services on top of that. So you might say, well, what are these foundational elements? And so there are things that every application or service would need. It might be security, it might be identity, it might be some base payment functionality. So rather than have everybody that wants to launch an application or service in a city repeat those elements over and over, it's not very effective, it's more cost, more complexity. Our TMC, our Transportation Mobility Cloud, will provide those elements and allow everybody else in this open platform to just focus on providing the value add pieces. And like I said, we're using it at Ford right now and we're super excited about it. Now, would this open up to anybody who wants to use it or it be open only to Ford customers? No, absolutely, open to anybody. In fact, the more that join, the more powerful it is. You get the wisdom of the crowd, thinking of better and unique and more creative ways to add value to everybody. So the more that join, I think the more value we can create together. Oh, very interesting. Uh, Ford, just a few years ago, started all kinds of mobility experiments all around the world. I think there was something like 25 of them, and one was called Go Park, another one called Go Drive, and of course, you, you brought it, mentioned Chariot earlier. Where does that stand right now? Of these 25 experiments, I'll call them experiments, what's working, what's not? Um, so the 25 experiments, they were there were 25, so you had that number correct. We were just chatting about that earlier because they were really the genesis of what became Ford Smart Mobility and the mobility organization. And so what's working are, is our focus on um, ride sharing and our chariot acquisition is a big piece of that obviously. Um, built on our transit product, same as non-emergency medical transport was an outgrowth of that as well. Also part of the, um, the process that we learned about in the experiments was what are the cities really struggling with? So things like curbside management, Right now, the delivery of goods is responsible for about one-fifth of urban congestion. And uh, my son happens to live in New York City, so I'm there a lot. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but you go through the city streets and there's vehicles lined up on either side. So the- Blocking the street. Blocking the street. And so, um, but they're trying to deliver things, pick, drop people off, pick people up. So all that congestion. So thinking through how we can help cities manage curb space. So that was also one of the experiments. So we've dispositioned the experiments to either be shut down and you know gather those learnings, or they've given birth to some of the things I've just talked about. Yeah, and what, what do you think is the most promising of those? Um, 
that's a great question. I think our transportation mobility cloud is the is the most promising from a allowing people to get started. If you think about the concept, it's similar to iOS and the Apple App Store. So if you want to put an app in the App Store, John, you don't have to develop iOS yourself. You can just develop your app right on iOS and then put it in the App Store. And that's the concept that we're shooting for here with the, the transportation mobility cloud. So giving people that head start to get up and running with value add. And beyond that, we're doing a lot of work with cities around journey planning, relieving congestion, something called um, Easy Ticket, which would be kind of one ticketing service for any kind of mode of transportation you would want, so you don't have to interact separately with all these different pieces, modes of transportation. So I think right away, those are the most promising because it's helping people solve real problems. Yeah, Chariot sounds very interesting. It's a ride hailing service, as you mentioned, using transit vans. How's that going? And haven't you expanded it recently? We have, so it's actually um, ride sharing. So it's really also helping relieve congestion because it encourages people to share rides and it uses our transit products, as you said. And um, one unique thing I think that we can bring to the table is we control the whole experience. So we obviously are the producers of the transit, but the software and the data collection around that and how we work with the partnerships, we can control that whole experience. So we're using our Greenfield Labs group. There are a team in Palo Alto that also reports into the mobility team. They're a human-centered design group, and they're looking at the transit saying, how do we make the experience for the rider even better? So an example is, and one of the things they did is they rode around and videotaped and interacted with all of our Chariot customers, and they counted the number of excuse me's. So if you say excuse me, it means something happened that was maybe uncomfortable. And it turned out that when you get into the van, the first seat there, um, you get hit a lot with whether it's a briefcase or a backpack or a bag. So do we really, even though you lose revenue by eliminating that seat, maybe you eliminate it and you provide a more comfortable experience. So those are some of the things we're thinking about. We're launched in four cities. And um, we have three cities we're launching very shortly. I can't tell you what they are, but I will tell you one's outside the U.S. Okay. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Still with transit vans. You got it. Yeah. yeah. How, how fascinating. And what's the ultimate goal with Chariot then? Just to expand it as a competitor to Uber and Lyft and all the others around the world? Um, it, it's, it's that. And I think getting back to how you help cities with real challenges, once you're in a city, you can you use the Chariot experience and the relationships there to learn more about how we can help. So we can provide um, additional data working with the city there once we have the relationships that Chariot can bring. We're also exploring um, that what you and I are really talking about is the B2C market, the business to consumer market for you know individual customers. We've also had a lot of luck in the business to enterprise, so helping businesses with commuting in their campus areas. So large campuses, rather than employees go around to each, you know, driving cars or whatever, helping with ride sharing there and helping with commutes. And also cities are struggling, especially the cities that are experiencing urban sprawl, where the city lines keep moving out, but the transportation that the city, the public transportation is in the center. So there's something called the last mile. And that's another problem to solve, is getting people to that public transportation as the city's lines and the scope increases. One thing that I was uh, very impressed with Ford Motor Company is putting all these uh, ride-sharing bicycles yeah. in the Bay Area, uh -huh. or certainly around San Francisco, all very prominently with the Ford Blue Oval. As you expand Chariot and you get into these mobility services, how does the Ford brand resonate in that effort? It's interesting, you know, we're trying a lot of things and we're learning. And so the Ford brand in, San Fran in the Bay Area with those bikes, it's actually been very successful. And we, were, we wanted to look at it um, from providing different modes of transportation and learning about what people prefer, 
what helps them move around the city the best, and also it's a greener approach as well. So providing choices really. Yeah, and but from a brand standpoint, do, do people make the connection, oh, that bicycle with the Ford logo on it actually is part of a Ford Motor Company effort? And or if they see Chariot, do they make the connection, hey, that's Ford doing it? Um, so the bikes, yes, because we have the logo on them, as you know. With Chariot, we do, don't have the Ford logo on there. I think when we interact with the cities and we come up with a, you know, a deal structure, they definitely understand it's a wholly owned subsidiary for Ford. But the Chariot vans themselves do not have the Ford logo on them. Oh, really? Yeah. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Why? Why that choice? It was bought as a separate company, and I think as we evolve it, we'll learn about branding, and we're exploring options right now. Those discussions are, are happening, so we'll see how it goes. Okay, how does autonomous cars fit into everything that you're doing? Well, they're kind of overlapping circles because you can help cities with their problems around moving people and moving goods, obviously, without autonomy, and we, you and I have already talked about how we're doing that. Um, autonomy helps in that it can provide safer transportation because if um, to get to the point where they would be allowed on the streets, you have to believe that they would be able to prevent crashes, et cetera, uh, because it's smarter than how we operate. And of course, they're, that's not there yet, and that's why they're not operating everywhere. Um, also, there's, and I'll, I'll go back to my non-emergency medical transport business. We have a driver in there, obviously, now driving our transit product and helping people get to medical appointments. And it's actually um, a growing demographic. It's about a seven to nine billion dollar business and growing because of the demographics. And even if that were to be an autonomous vehicle, you have to think about would you really want to eliminate the human because the human's playing an important role with those people. So it's, you have to be pretty thoughtful about the human element and I think that's something different that Ford's thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great point that you may not, in that instance, Yeah. Uh, you may not want to inter uh, eliminate a, a person in the car that can go and help. Yeah, it might be a different role. One of the other things that's talked all about as we move into mobility is monetization of the data. What's Ford looking at from that standpoint? Well, data is the gold, so to speak, which is probably why you're inquiring about it. And um, number one, the data is gold for cities because they might have, have always had access to a wide variety of data from all the different, you know, transit services, pedestrians walking. Now, if street lights and uh, they're becoming smarter and smarter, all the elements, as, as Jim Hecka calls it, the smart world, are becoming smarter and smarter. So all this data would be available for the cities to use to help them make better choices. Right now, and there's, it's no criticism, it's just how it is, all the elements of the city, if you think about how buses run or how trains run, they're really optimized for that mode of transportation. They were not really optimized for an end-to-end -end trip that you, as a customer, might, when they may have to take several modes of transportation. So you could monetize that data to provide those services, really improve the flow of the city, and make it a better, unique experience for, for you, Don, as a customer. Oh, I love it. I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> you're, you're right, because each mode of transportation is optimizing itself. Yep. No one's optimizing the total system. Exactly. Is that something that you're looking at? Absolutely. Very interesting. So Ford is going to expand beyond potentially, well, you've already got the bicycles. Yeah. Uh, how many modes of transportation, all of them, could Ford get involved in? Um, the data is, you know, definitely we would get into working with the cities to help them collect and mine this data and make smart decisions. It wouldn't necessarily mean that we would get into these various modes of transportation, but we would really help orchestrate Get pulling the data together and helping the cities gather insights 
I mentioned uh, multimodal journey planning. We actually signed a, a memo, memo of understanding with um, some cities in India, Mumbai and Indore. And it really is to do just that, to help them with the data in the cities so they can make better choices and kind of harmonize all these unique things that you and I are talking about. You're, you're really inventing new businesses as you build up Ford Mobility. Absolutely, isn't it exciting? And I think it really fits in with Ford's um, vision of improving people's lives. And Bill Ford's you know, TED Talk back in 2011 when he called out some of these issues around congestion and air quality. Yeah. Oh. Another thing, and now maybe I'm asking more of your role on the IT side of the business, data analytics. What's going on in that regard? Because forget uh, all the data being generated in cars and all that. Ford Motor Company has a ton of data in-house just on how the business operates. I'm, I'm sure there's new opportunities of how you can analyze that data and find out better things for the company to do. Oh, you're spot on. And so it, the opportunities are pretty much endless, especially a company as big and, as Ford Motor Company. Um, so we have a data analytics uh, group. It's led by Paul Blue. He's our chief data officer. He's been in role for over three years now. And it is very exciting. So uh, Paul's you know, really his day job, and then he does all this other stuff that we're talking about, is working with the various functions at Ford, product development, manufacturing, purchasing, and helping them find other data sources. We have a data governance process in place, and then how you mine value from that data. And the, as I said, the possibilities are really endless, so it's really helping think through what the high leverage opportunities are, and then also putting data governance processes in place, and um, making sure that you know we're being very respectful of privacy and security. That's another big piece of it. And um, we've, you know, it's actually a very mature uh, team we have, and adding a lot of value to the functions beyond even what you and I are talking about from a mobility perspective. What, what's changing in that regard, Marcy? Is it that you're putting more focus on it, or is it that technology like artificial intelligence is allowing you to analyze this data in ways that could not be done before? So we always had um, analytics at Ford, even before we, we uh, hired Paul as our chief data officer. They were in pockets aligned with each of the functions. So pulling together as a central group made it much more powerful. And then looking at all the data from a kind of a company perspective makes it much more powerful. And then now, as you say, there's new and exciting uses around AI and machine learning that are even more exciting to have access to data in a more centralized fashion. So it's really both, John. Yeah, are there any examples that you can share with us as to things that Ford's able to do in mining this data? Well, we do a lot of work with our um, suppliers, so provide them data and you know jointly make better choices. Um, we could do work in the manufacturing space around how we're shipping vehicles around the globe and how to do that more op um, opportunistically. As you can imagine, freight and moving vehicles around is a, you know, is a very important part of our business. So doing that in the most effective and, and efficient way. So those are some examples in uh, product development, working with the teams there to find out what features customers want and value the most and then feeding that information back to the marketing team. So the uses are, are endless, really. Yeah, and how about mining this data for learning new things to do, uh, what you're working on with mobility? Absolutely, so working with the cities on how they would gather their data, and then um, also as we look to provide services in the vehicle to augment personal ownership, obviously that's another big opportunity. Yeah, okay, uh, let's go back to autonomy for a moment, uh, a, a lot are, a lot of other players in the field are saying that we could see an explosion in the use of ride sharing. 
once you get to autonomy because if you get the driver out of the car and I know we talked about for some of these non-emergency medical services you may want somebody in the car but for just getting back and forth yeah. to work or other things like that some are saying that if you get the driver out of the car you can really get the cost per trip down and that's going to open the door for a whole lot of people to come in do you see it that way yeah we, we are thinking about it that way and also when it comes to autonomy a key um, element from an economic perspective is making sure that the vehicles have high utilization. So you and I were chatting beforehand about, you know, the vehicles might be moving goods and people. And so the vehicles might be utilized for a variety of things. And the more you can utilize this asset, obviously, that's more economically beneficial. And what do you think? Pure electric or hybrid? <laughs> because some are saying that uh, hybrid's a better way to go. Longer range, you can keep the, the, the vehicle uptime. Others are saying no, electric, battery electric is the way to go. What are your thoughts on it? I think it's really an and. So we've got a great um, hybrid business now and it gives people the power of choice. And we definitely believe in giving people the power of choice. Um, over time, battery electric will probably become more and more pervasive. But, you know, it could be a while, as you and I were chatting about just informally beforehand. So, in the meantime... Got to get the cost down. Yeah, the, and, and I think you can get people's, you know, as you said, people's behaviors have to change. They have to be accustomed to it. And in the meantime, we've got great high-bid products, and they provide people the power of choice. Yeah. Chariot, of course, is ride-sharing. It's sort of pool ride-sharing in a way, right? Because multiple people inside. Are you at all looking at having just individual users in a car instead of a, a van with multiple people in it? Right now we're really focused on ride sharing because we are very committed to helping reduce congestion and improving air quality and the ride sharing really promotes that. But ride sharing with the van? Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering what about ride sharing just one, one person like most Uber and Lyft rides I would imagine are just one passenger individual in the, individual in yeah. the vehicle. Well, I'm, there's some talk about if you do it individually, it's actually not helping solve congestion. congestion. Yeah. And so that's why we think we're going to focus, at least for now, on the ride sharing. Mm -hmm. Do you see us going to a world of fewer vehicles then? If you're going to reduce congestion, it's not just a matter of using the vehicles more efficiently, which will help. It's using fewer vehicles to satisfy everybody's transportation needs. You know, it's an interesting question because it's probably, again, one of those and things. There could be areas, there's even cities talking now about reducing or putting guidelines around when vehicles can be in the cities or if they can, uh, will permit ice uh, internal combustion engines in their cities or not. And on the other side, you have emerging areas around the world where people might not have been able to afford access to a vehicle and now they can. So those areas will probably increase the number of vehicles and other areas may be decreasing. So it's probably a little of both. Marcy, as you look at all this mobility and, and the different aspects of it that we've been talking about, do you see differences happening in different parts of the world, North America versus Europe versus Asia versus other areas? Where, where do you see it growing the fastest or changing the most? It's an interesting question. My team and I were just talking about that the other day. I think there's some core fundamental things that are very common. Um, you know, urbanization this is growing. The number of, you know, true urban cities is growing uh, in the, in the next you know decade or so, and that's common throughout the globe. So solving some of the issues that you and I were chatting about, um, you know, curb space management, congestion, helping people move better—that's a common thread throughout the globe. But then you get into some differences depending on the part of, of the world we're talking about. And so we were just chatting about China. In a way, 
because of what they're dealing with, they tend to be a little bit ahead. Sometimes people think of China as emerging, but they've emerged and in some ways passed us all up. And in some ways, Brazil is like that too. They're, they're very reliant on mobility um, because of congestion in certain areas. So I think we can learn from those areas that might be a little um, further ahead. And then other areas, the challenges are different. And then there's these common threads that really connect. Yeah, as you know, the old saying goes, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Right. And if you've got the worst congestion, you're more prone probably to find the solutions the fastest. Exactly. Is there a cultural difference too though? And I'm wondering, uh, for example, in the United States, uh, personal ownership of vehicles for transportation is so ingrained. It's over a century versus China, where it's it's still pretty new. I mean, most people in China still don't own a car. There's a lot more room to grow. Are they more open to, to changes because it's not really changed for them as much as the ingrained way that we've been doing it? Yeah, I think you've said it. So, it, it, and it's happening both ways in China because more and more people, as you just um, implied, can now afford access to a vehicle. So that that's growing. But on the other hand, necessity is the motherhood of invention. So in areas where it's congested or if people just didn't have access to a vehicle, they had to find other ways to move around. And so they're actually ahead of, of many of us on how they think about things and how they use their, you know, how they use their smartphone devices and things like that. So we can definitely learn. And it's really, um, my group is global and we've got leaders around the globe and it's fun to compare notes what those common threads are and where other pieces of the globe might be a little bit ahead and they go and then we learn. And because it's probably just a matter of time when we catch up, right? Yeah. You mentioned Chariot's going to be outside of the U.S. market. I, I got to believe all your business units then are going to be doing things outside of the U.S. as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any new announcements that you can tell us yet? Well, we uh, announced the Transportation Mobility Cloud yeah. and uh, we'll be announcing our new locations in Chariot uh, shortly. Okay, well, I can't wait to hear what it's going to be. You're in the most exciting part of the business right now, so I envy you in that regard. <laughs> we're having fun and um, we're learning a lot. Well, Marcy Cleavorn, thanks so much for coming to take the time here at the Consumer Electronics Show, CES. And there's so much buzz and activity on the floor as we talked about at the top of the show. And it's just great to get your overview of what the Ford Motor Company is doing with all this. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for your interest in Ford. Okay. Thanks very much. And of course, want to thank all of you for having tuned in.